Hey, this is Dave Moore, and you are listening to the Dan Kyo Wellness Project Podcast. Everybody, welcome to episode 18 of the Dankyo Wellness Project podcast. Thank you so much. I am so grateful to every single person who has tuned in to this podcast over the past 17 episodes. This is Dan here, and I am a counselor and psychotherapist in training in Dublin Business School. I am a social care worker with Focus Ireland, providing support to families who are experiencing homelessness in Dublin. And I am also a wellness advocate, passionate about both my own wellness and that of every person who is listening here today. So what I want you to get out of this podcast, whether you've listened to no episodes so far or whether you follow them all the way through, is I want you to gain experience through listening to other people, what they have done to increase their wellness, what insights they have based on their, their experience. And I really hope that you will take even one thing away from this episode today that will help you be that little bit happier, think that little bit clearer about your situation and uh, feel like you want to reach out to me and tell me that that happened. That would be fantastic. On today's episode, well, what can I say about this guy? It's Mr. Dave Moore from the Dermot Dave Show on Today FM. He's one of my biggest inspirations in life. He makes me laugh from Monday through Sunday every single week. He's one of the most generous and gracious people I've ever met. And for all of those reasons, I just could not wait to get him onto the podcast. He was one of the people that I reached out to along with Jarlith Regan when I decided to start on my own podcasting journey, spreading my own message about wellness. And I don't know if you remember from episode one, but Dave gave me the wonderful advice of keeping a narrow focus on what content I'm going to put out. And of course, Jarlith gave me the other best piece of advice I've ever had, which is don't forget to press record, which I have done, actually. So I want you to kick back and relax and come on a journey with me and Dave as two 30 and 40-something-year-old Irish men discuss what it is to be well in modern-day Ireland and how to follow your dreams and your passions and live in spite of the fears that we experience. So... Thanks a million again for tuning in and uh, I look forward to hearing from you. Hey guys, welcome to the Dankyo Wellness Project podcast and I am so excited to have one of the most inspiration people that I've ever met once before in my life but have um, been following through the medium of radio for many years and his name is Mr. Dave Moore. How are you Dave? I'm great Dan, thanks for... Thanks for inviting me on. Oh, no, it's my pleasure, man. Thanks so much for coming on and being so generous with your time. You're kind of busy at the moment, right? Yeah, this is... I think I'm I'm right in saying that this these last few months have been the busiest I can remember being, and I've been busy a lot. Mm. Um, yeah, between France, you were at the Euros, I met you out there. Yeah. Uh, hola, Joe. And... Uh, hola, Joe. <laughs> between, between that... Prep that went into going to that, um, both from a radio point of view, from a personal point of view, um, coming home, heading straight back out again to the France match, uh, coming home, going straight back to work, working a couple of weekends that I had to work straight away after coming back. It was kind of disconnecting in, in a lot of ways and 
it took a while to kind of adjust a little bit. And then I had a two-week break in Spain with the family, which isn't a holiday. But <laughs> yeah, let's not get it mixed up. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I think it was the it was what I needed. I needed to be a dad again. I needed to be a husband again. I needed to be in that space and completely unplug from mm. a professional space. Literally. Yeah, yeah. I genuinely had to. Like, um, it just wasn't. I don't know. It was just. It was really tough coming back and not being able to just come back and jump back into that mode of dad and husband. Mm. I had to come back and go, I'm dad and husband for five minutes because now I've got to go back at the door again. You know what I mean? So I found that quite difficult. And then since I've gotten back, uh, we've been back to work. We've had our our holiday. We've gone back to work. And Dermot and I are now, on top of everything else we do, we are creating a comedy show, uh, a comedy version of our radio show, which is going to debut in the Cork Comedy Festival in two and a half weeks oh my and God. it's been way just for the listeners who may not be familiar with yourself and Dermot and you know the Dermot a day show today FM mm-hmm. and you've been working on radio together for quite a long time haven't you and a lot of our listeners will be based in the states right and based in Canada and based mm-hmm. in the UK so they may not have well they might not just know about it really of course not. How could they? Um, yeah, yeah. so for you guys who are listening Dave is on the funniest and award-winning Irish radio show, the Dermot and Dave show, that has me in absolute knots <laughs> every day. This man is sick of me texting in. <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, no, please, please text <laughs> but I've been texting in for years. Mm. You know, it's just so, it, and that's the type of thing that I'm interested in talking to you about. And that is, you know, you've spoken already about being so busy with so many strings to your bow mm. and then trying to balance that with, like, how do you even get? time to write the articles for herfamily.ie <laughs> so a big thing about that I've been talking about to all of my guests is wellness as mm, you know it's, yeah. in, it's in the podcast name I think that's what drew you to the idea of Huge the podcast but what you described in our opening exchange there was the difficulty with achieving balance yeah. in all of the areas of your life yeah. so would you see that that challenge of trying to give balance to every area as an achievable way to achieve wellness or I think it's a it's a key it's a key part of everyone's life and I'm I'm not some like you know super busy celebrity or some superhuman who can manage all these things like everybody is busy mm. like if you've never been on the radio or if you've never <laughs> you know been in a newspaper or on television you're still busy yeah. right so it's not that you know people of profile somehow develop or are given a handbook say well this is how you manage like you know people no matter who they are people are people that's well that's actually what struck me about you Mm. having like we became friends through facebook obviously Mm. and um and then meeting you over in france it was there was something very because you're very honest aren't you you're very open about your life to to a certain extent in terms (laughs) of the fault my wife would say (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, well so would my beautiful fiance Tara (laughs) but we'll we'll come to that later um but what that's what struck me about you know you do have the profile and you've been you know in that kind of entertainment industry for so long now but what actually drew me to you and what I think is your greatest strength in your role as a DJ Mm. and as kind of a creator of the articles on herfamily.ie about being a dad and a husband that absolutely slay me every time you you write them by the way (laughs) thanks but it's the it's it's i don't want to say the word normal but i want to say the word very honest about your life experience 
yeah, like, look, I suppose I, it's, it's kind of, it's the thing, it's kind of the light that keeps me sane. Like, knowing, like, people, people get freaked out when they meet celebrities or meet their heroes or whatever, right? Now, don't get me wrong, before I worked in radio, you know, like, in, in 1993 or 1994, Pearl Jam played Slain. Right. I was in a band, and we were basically Pearl Jam unplugged, except we wrote our own songs, but yeah, we yeah. got the idea, we were, we were trying to be a, like a, a grungy metal band, but our sound sucked because we had no money to buy good gear. So every right. time we went to do a gig, our songs were great, and our like most young bands. Yeah, yeah. We watched Pearl Jam unplugged and went, and Nirvana unplugged, and Alison Chains unplugged, and went, why don't we just always be unplugged? And we just <laughs> did that. We were an acoustic version of the, yeah. that type of music. But we busked to earn more money. We were on Grafton Street. We were busking away. We didn't do it with a plan. But we met Pearl Jam. Okay. Dave Abraziz, the drummer, brought us into his hotel room. We hung out with Jeff Ament. The tour manager gave us passes. We had no tickets. We had no money. We had no tickets. Got slain. We got backstage passes. We were sitting. So did they walk past you when you were yeah, you were busking and, we were, we were and they were into what you were playing? We were, obviously, we were playing one of their songs. Oh, well, duh. like of course. It, they, but, but we they were like into... it wasn't like, like we were also playing Soundgarden songs, playing yeah. Austin Chain songs, playing our own songs. They just happened to walk past. We were playing a song called "State of Love and Trust" and. Like, it was the drummer, Dave Abrazis, and the bassist, Jeff Ament, and they went, like, what? And they were with Cameron Crowe, you know, the director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was making a movie about them, writing an article about them. And Anyway, it's a really long story, but the, the end of it is, when I met Dave Abrazis, who I would have held in this huge esteem as mm. a, the way anyone holds kind of their celebrity, you know, musical heroes, within... Three minutes, I went. Oh my god, he's just a dude. <laughs> he's just a normal guy. Yeah. Okay, we didn't meet Eddie Vedder. <laughs> Eddie Vedder isn't just a normal guy. You know, if you've ever listened to an interview, you'll know he has a lot of things going on. But if you had, maybe you would have had that experience with him as no, well. I, look, I think I probably would have. But yeah. I guess what that did for me was it kind of gave me a realization that not that you should never meet your heroes. But you kind of shouldn't have heroes in a lot of ways, in the sense that, and I'm, I don't mean that in a negative way, I just mean that everybody is a person. Mm. A celebrity, a politician, an actor, a director, a musician, doesn't matter. They're just people with the same flaws and fears. the same fears and the same everything. Challenges. Every, exactly. And so when I became a person with a little bit more profit, and I... I I don't like, avoid the you're word. You're cringing even saying I am. That. I don't. I don't avoid the word celebrity <laughs> because I don't like the way it feels in my mouth. I just don't think I am. Like, mm. I, I know it's kind of it's it's a it's a hard one to kind of to straighten out in my head. But effectively, I've been on the radio for almost fifteen years. Yeah, I can still walk down the street and literally nobody knows who I am. Mm. Social media has had more of an effect on me getting recognized in the street mm. than radio ever has and that's one of the reasons why i'm so passionate about radio why i love radio so much and also why i've never done television it is because i value the ability to be honest i value the anonymity of radio because it affords me the ability to be a voice on the radio and kind of nothing else 
and and be completely yourself. Look, this is the thing, and people don't don't really think that Dermot and I are the same way on air as we are off air, but we genuinely are. Like, and it's not something that we we didn't think about it, we didn't plan it. Mm. It's just, it just how, is. It's just a, yeah, and 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 it works. But times, that yeah. When we started in, in early two thousand two thousand two, radio was changing. There was a hunger for that kind of honest radio, and not a hunger for uh, on the on the DJ. I'm cooler than anybody's ever been. I know everything there is known. My links are absolutely perfect, and there was thirty seven <laughs> seconds, and here's the next. Like, like that's fine. There's a place for that. Well, not, we're not going to name and shame here. No, right? but there's a place for that. <laughs> but for me. The way I got into radio was literally plucked off the street and put onto a break show on ninety-eight. I'd never been in a radio station. What? Yeah, ever. Oh, by the way, thanks for preempting about ten of my questions. Sorry, yeah, I'm really, this is fantastic. I'm really, really. No, no, it's, um, ma- it's magical because I can just sit here with my hand on my chin, <laughs> like Danny O'Reilly gave me fantastic advice. And Danny, if you're listening, I'm doing the thing where I'm letting the guest talk, and I'm just—I look like Sean Connery posing for a Bond photo with my hand over <laughs> over my mouth, so I won't interrupt. Yeah, don't. No, it's great. Sorry, one sip of tea now. Um, so you were plucked off the street in which was do you want okay, to so go for this let's go okay, there okay. It, like I know my listeners our listeners are dying to know this because I am dying to know it alright so <clears throat> I am a musician hmm. and if you put me into a trance like state and asked me what are you I would say I am a musician and I have been distracted by radio for 15 years so that would be <laughs> what I would tell you right <laughs> In reality, obviously, I'm not. I'm a radio DJ, and that's what I do, and music is a secondary thing. But in my heart, it's not. Yeah. So I studied business studies in Russian in Trinity College. What? And I got my degree. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, I turned down a job in Moscow because my parents made a deal with me when I was 18 that if I got my degree, they would support me in whatever I wanted to do, which was music. And I said, you said you'd support me. And they were like, yeah. It's like, so I'm going to not work there. Mm. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to go to BlackRock to a a music school called New Park Music College and I'm going to study professional jazz for a year. Fantastic. And they looked at me and went, you are such an idiot, but fine, go for your life. And they began to eat their words yeah, that, they had, that they had given me. Exactly. So I did that and then a couple of, about in the April of 1998, I took out a bank loan. I bought a studio, by which I mean the gear to make a home studio yeah. and in 1998 it wasn't like it is today that it would cost you a macbook and a piece of software yeah this meant hard disk recorders dat tapes mm. uh, hard like hardware samplers hardware synths uh you know like microphones mixing that everything mm. like it was just a different world so it cost about four thousand pounds i know 1998 isn't that long ago but it was a big amount of money to do a guy who was a student yeah so to pay it back, and you had to get a kettle as well. Yeah, everything. Uh, to pay it back, I had to. Um, I got a job. So here, my parents were looking at me with my highfalutin degree, uh, my job offer, which was about the same salary I think my dad was on at the time. No. In Moscow, and I went. So to pay this back, I'm going to work in the petrol station down the road here. <laughs> and they went. Really, I was like, yeah. Yeah, because I just need something that's just going to be a couple of shifts a week, get a bit of money, pay the bank back, and just get up there and start writing. And they were like, hmm. And they were true to their word, and they said, okay, you can put it in your the spare room in our house. Mm. You can bring people up. You can do whatever you need to do. You can live rent-free. You can use the room rent-free. 
Oh, they followed through. They did. No, they genuinely did. And it's really important, yeah. So, from 1998 until 2002, I built up a business. I, I basically became a professional working songwriter and music producer. So I oh. would be approached by the next Louis Walsh, someone who thought that they could take their experience in one sphere and go, I can manage a bunch of kids and make them into boys on sure. or whatever. Um, and they would come to me and they would go, we need songs. And I would go, well, what song music do you want to do? They would tell me and I would, because I had spent so many years writing, I would go, well, here's, here's my hard drive of like, 500 yeah. songs I've written yeah. and I'll pluck out eight that I think would suit the new boys on or the new Bewitched or yeah. the new whoever give them to them on a CD they would go off pick two or three or whatever we wanted to do come back and we would then record those songs with right. their vocals and I would produce them whatever and then that transferred to music for film music for TV for jingles uh, recording other people's voiceovers doing local bands here and like, like just everything basically that that I get my hands on because as working for yourself, that's what you do. You just do every yeah. bit of work there is. Um, and there's a, there's a huge long story about how I met my wife and I'll, have, I'll just skip over that because it's going to take too long. But we're going to talk about uh, relationships and family okay. later, later on. Right, so we, we can we come back to that. that. Yeah. Um, but I basically went, she's an actress, I went to LA with her in 2002 and it was the first time we lived together. Hmm. And we were there for whatever the holiday visa, 90 days is, yeah. 89 days yeah, or whatever. 90 days, yeah. And I brought all my musical gear and I was working over there as much as I could and she was in meetings with managers and agents and whatever. And it, it, Long story short, it was, it was 10 years she was acting. This was her kind of, I'm going to give it one last shot. Yeah. And the upshot was, she didn't really love it. So we came home. And as we were coming home on the plane, I went, I'm going back to my parents' house and she's going back to her parents' house. Yeah. I know. I want to live with this woman. I want to like make my life with this woman. 90 now. days is far too short. Yeah. This exactly. scenario. Yeah. So I realized quickly on the way back that although I was successful in what I was doing, I wasn't financially regular enough mm. to rent a place because I had to rent a studio as well if I moved out of my parents' house. Oh yeah, of course. Um, so it was like I needed to rent two places. I didn't have, because I, I, I could make a bunch of money in February and not earn again until June. That's, yeah. That was the nature of the beast. And it still know, is for people who absolutely. are listening now who would be doing something like that. Completely. And so, yeah, if you're if you're young and you want to rent some videos and buy pizza on a Friday night, that's fine if you live in your parents' house. But if you want to pay rent and bills and... Yeah, you, you and move know, in with your, yeah, you need, your lady. Yeah, you need money. So I kind of made a decision, coming back to the plane, that I was going to change what I did and I would... I would basically get like a full-time job, obviously, hopefully in audio, because that was where I loved. Yeah. So I knew a few people, there were a few kind of <coughs> multimedia companies who were looking to get people in and bring the studios in. And I was, I was him and hawing about what to do. And out of the blue, <laughs> I had, just before I left in 2001, I had done a, a rap musical with Des Bishop. <laughs> Sorry, I never heard of a that. History oh, rap musical called Rap Air. It was the history, Irish political history of the 1916 Rising, told through rap music. <laughs> and we toured it around over. And long story short, is Des was always at me saying I should do voiceovers. And I was always like, I don't know about voiceovers. I don't know how to be a voiceover actor. Mm. I don't know anything. I'm just a musician. 
And he said, no, all you need is a demo and an agent. I said, okay, well, I can make a demo tomorrow. I'll make it for people. I made your demo days. You know, he's like, yeah, yeah no. Yeah, I said, yeah. I don't know any agents. And he said, Richard's an agent. And the guy who's at the dinner table with us <laughs> is the biggest acting agent in Ireland who was producing the play. Yeah. But I didn't realize he did something. I just thought he was just a producer. I was like, yeah. oh, Richard, do you be my agent? Of course I will do. No problem. <laughs> so I gave him a demo. And I got one job before I went to LA. I was a pizza delivery man. And I had that voice. And it was like, excuse me, sir, would you like a Domino's? Whatever it was. That was my job. So that was my experience of voice acting. I was like, well, I'll never do that again. Um, <laughs> and then somebody, this woman had heard my demo. Right. And my demo was a kind of an, a stream of consciousness where I knew everybody else had a great straight read. The... The Irish Times, you know, I knew like there was millions of people doing that. And I was like, "That's not me." Like yeah. I do impersonations, I yeah. do cartoon voices. Yeah. I speak with different accents because I speak yeah. a few languages. I was like, "You do say stuff now." Well, she's not talking about that. <laughs> but, but basically, so my demo was two and a half minutes of me finishing the sentences of one cartoon character with another cartoon character, right. and it went on, and it was Ali G and yeah. David Beckham and SpongeBob and whoever else it was, whatever, and it was just nonsense. And this woman heard it, and she had been tasked with the job of finding new talent for radio. Right. That was her job. Yeah. For, sorry, specifically for the 98 FM Breakfast Show. Right. We had just been let go. And she heard this demo, rang a, a mutual friend, who I didn't know the mutual friend, I didn't know the woman from Adam. He said, yeah, he's a great guy, you should have a chat to him, he's a musician, he's a whatever. So I got this phone call out of the blue going, hi, my name's Karen, blah, 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 blah. I have a voice project I'm interested to talk to you about. Would you meet me in town today? And I was like, sure. Yes. Okay. <laughs> what's Like thinking, what's a voice project? No, it's just, sorry, it's a 12-month voice project. Like, oh, right. Okay. What the hell is that? Like, I was thinking maybe I'm re- re- localizing a cartoon or something, you know? Like, because <laughs> yeah, they do that yeah, sometimes. Yeah. They don't yeah. put, uh, they do a lot of, in TGCAR, but I mean, they actually do things like where they put Irish accents into a cartoon to make yeah. it seem like it was made here or whatever. So yeah. anyway, yeah. I was kind of thinking, what else could it be? So I met her in Metro Cafe in Dublin 2, sat down, had a cup of coffee and a chat, and halfway through, two men came in. A guy in his 40s from Ireland and a guy in his 50s from New Zealand. Yeah. And they sat down, good cop, bad cop. Mm. New Zealand guy, really affable, nice, funny. The other guy would sit there and say nothing, and then all of a sudden would interrupt me and go, who's the captain of the Dublin football team? And I'd go, I don't know what heck that. Yeah, right. And you can move on again. I, I also would have said that. <laughs> no offence to any of the listeners. No, no, no. <laughs> and then you'd go, uh, who won the last Eurovision? And I'd be like, who is this guy? What's he? Anyway, I didn't know what was going on. It was on. just f- quick fire. Just, yeah, and like out of nowhere in the middle of another conversation. <laughs> so this went on, and then I, they went off, and she said, oh, you did great. And I was like, I did great at what? Like, <laughs> what is this? Like, I can't tell you, I can't tell you. Can you come back into town on Wednesday? Yeah, fine. Back into town Wednesday. Into a recording studio, they handed me a mini disc recorder because that's what oh, things were in 2002, and a microphone, and said, "Go out on the street and describe something." Okay, cool. Walked down the street, was like, "What was this about?" And on Merrion Square, there's a little Montessori school, and they wear boater hats and yes. it's very British and little blazers, yeah. and they're like three, and they hold hands and they walk across to Merrion Square for the right. lunch. And I saw this, and I was like, "That's so cute." I described it, whatever. Yeah. And then I met a bunch of my mates, and I started asking them about. Um, Saipan, which I just oh, had yeah. Topical. And the Roy Keane thing. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I did a few funny voices. I went back in, gave him the mini disc, said, see you later, I'm off. And then on Friday of the same week, she asked me to come into town 
to a place called Grand Canal Quay, which I'd never been to, uh, which turns out it's where 98 of his offices were. Yeah. And I was brought into... It's just been built around, like, yeah, it being wasn't upgraded that long, around yeah, that yeah. time, yeah. And I went in, now not to... There in the, in the uh, south block of the Malt House, this was the north block of the Malt House where the offices are. Anyway, so I was into this office and walked into the, was brought, walked into the building, into an office, and she said, Dave, this is Dermot. Dermot, this is Dave. Like, giggle said, you two get on. I'll be back in 20 minutes. I shut the door. <laughs> and... Oh, so many questions. Go on, anyway. I looked at him and he looked at me. All right. <laughs> and then we kind of looked at the ground and I went, sorry, do you know what this is? And he was like, what do you mean? Like, what, what What's happening here? What, where are we? He was like, this is 98 FM. And I was like, the radio station? He's like, yeah. Why are you here? I was like, I don't know. He goes, do you work on radio? I've never been in a radio station. I was like, oh, right. I don't know why you're here either. I was like, where are you here? And he goes, oh, I work for them. I've just done comedy on The Last Breakfast Show. I write, write comedy sketches. Yeah. I was like, all right, brilliant. Uh, he goes, I think I think they want to give me The Breakfast Show. He said to you. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was what he was told. Like, not told, but he was kind of yeah. you know intimated that, that was what was going to happen to him if, if he kind of passed the interview or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, right, well, why would I be here? And he's like, I don't know. Do you do comedy? I was like, no. And then we start talking about comedy, and then <laughs> within two minutes, we had bonded over an Alan Partridge impersonation. Oh, amazing! And then we realized, like, to quote Alan Partridge, "He's my best friend." Like, li- <laughs> like it was literally that quick. Yeah, we just went. Damn. Oh my god, you're hilarious! You're hilarious! Like, we just thought we were hilarious. So she came back and went, "How'd you get on?" We went, "Yeah, actually, he's pretty sound." And then she started to explain everything, which was, "Yeah." This is the new breakfast show. Man, that is unbelievable story. And within a couple of weeks, I was on air on the breakfast <laughs> you show. You had two weeks prep to... Whatever. I, was, I don't remember exactly. Yeah, it could have been two. It could have been three weeks. But yeah, but I mean... It was talking. literally that. Yeah. Like, and... and Fifteen years later. I've never looked back. And like... And, and I think, to get back to the original point, <laughs> I think the reason I'm honest and the reason I'm myself is not that other people in radio aren't, but my introduction to radio was so bizarre, so brief, that I had no choice but to be myself. Yes. From the word go. Because that's how you got the position. It, it wasn't even that, yeah. <laughs> but it, it was. That conscious. It, it was like, I didn't have time to learn any tricks of the trade. I just literally went in and went, you were ambushed with yeah, a career in radio. Like, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> and so when I started in radio... With this other fella, who in fairness to him, had been in radio, like he'd been a newsreader and he'd been a reporter and he'd done some comedy and I think he might have done a couple of music. Like, he wasn't a broadcaster either in, in, in the Dermot. Dermot wasn't. Like he'd done a couple of bits and pieces like, and he'd been in 98 for a couple of years, but he was mostly off doing comedy sketches and just yeah. handing them over. Yeah. And he was doing live stuff, which was like stand up and he yeah. was doing that. Like he wasn't, it wasn't as though he was like a seasoned yeah. pro. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was just kind of, Let's just put these two lads on yeah. and fair play to 98 FM, to the powers above 98 FM, Lucy mm-hmm. Gaffney, Dennis O'Brien, who had the kind of cojones at the time to just give it a bash. I don't yeah. know if it would happen now. I don't know. The market is yeah. so different. Yeah. But they just tried it. And 
are arguably it works. Well, we're well, certainly you know it's working. Come on, we're together nearly fifteen years, and we haven't. Yeah, we haven't yeah. looked back. You know. Yeah. What I mean? So the so. Qu the question I asked you originally was, or I didn't actually ask you a question. I I made an observation mm. about what drew me to you, <clears throat> and thanks to everybody who is listening to episode 18 wow 18 oh my wow. god of the Dan Gale Wellness Project podcast I'm here with Dave Moore from Today FM who has so many feathers in his uh, hat that we probably won't sure. cover at all <laughs> but in terms of wellness you know and we, we talked before we came on air about the fact that I had done 17 in a short period of time mm. and I'm, you, you were teaching me bits about audio and you, you know little things like that you know I think the most important thing that I took, apart from being hugely interested because I'm a massive fan of the show mm. and of you guys in general, is that to go back to when you qualified for Trinity College with a Russian and business degree, were offered a job in Russia that you were going to be on the same salary as your dad. Your parents came through and you know, follow through on their word to support you mm. for what you want to do, which is the best thing I think a parent can do. And I'm sure it's something that you will do for your own children yeah. yourself. But what I was most struck by in terms of wellness and what I want um, listeners to take away from this is, and we've spoken about this as well, singular focus. Mm. So that was the advice that you gave me when I reached out to you before, to I, before I started this. And on the other end of the spectrum, Gerald Regan said to me, don't forget to press record, yeah. which is equally amazing yeah. advice. But that singular focus is something I'm really interested in. And I think that the listeners will get huge benefit from. Mm. There's something very visceral about following your passion, following yeah. your dream, especially when it's scares the shit out. <laughs> yeah. Like how the hell am I going to have kids now? If I follow my dream of being, a podcast host and maybe expanding into other areas you know that the, yeah. I have all these fears and mm. as my listeners and people who follow my page Dan Kale Wellness Project know I've been nothing but honest on it particularly about the fears because I think people relate a lot to being living in fear a yeah. lot of the time so what advice would you have for people sorry <clears throat> what advice would you have for people who know what they're passionate about in your case it was being a musician mm. But having that courage, how do you get that courage to... I think there's an important distinction here. Okay, go on. It's not about having courage. I still... I, I've always had the fear. Right. I still have the fear. It's, it's not that I'm any more courageous or I'm any braver or that I made some kind of, you know, miraculous decision. I think... So we're talking about what you... Okay, so let's narrow it down further mm. focus more <laughs> let's focus it in bring it in bring it in everybody has fear you still have fear i have fear 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 it's 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 all bullshit isn't it really yeah so what do you do when you feel that piece of fear that stops you from taking action on a project that you want to do for example now or what would you have done back then yeah i think i think now being the age I am, being the position I'm in, being where I am in my life, I, I wouldn't, n I wouldn't, not do something out of fear. Earlier, it was a bit more subconscious. I suppose my point is, you can't escape fear because fear is an elemental part of you. It, we wouldn't be here in 2016 without fear 
when we were being stalked on planes by saber-toothed tigers and we had to be fearful. We had to have anxiety and we had to be, we had to embrace these things as part yeah. of being human. It's no different now. So sure. it's, it's our perspective on yeah. that emotion because it's called fear in exactly. the English language. What is it in Russian, by the way? God, you put me on the spot now. <laughs> I don't remember. No, I genuinely don't remember. I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. It was whatever about two years ago. But, no, no. Shout out to our listeners in Moscow and St. Yeah. Petersburg. Hey, lads. <laughs> um, but I think this is a really important thing for people to take away from listening to this mm. conversation. Mm. And it's something that I, I can feel my energy brewing with some sort of realisation about the fact that it is just a, an English language word that's put on something that you can either see as something that's going to push you forward yeah. or something that you are going to see that's going to hold you back. But the crucial point is how you choose to see and how it impacts what you do next. That's precisely it. Because you, you can only deal with you know, you can only deal with what's really there. Fear is there. It's anxiety is going to be there. Worry is there. Yeah. Like, I genuinely don't know a person who has it solved. Yeah. And I know a lot of people. Yeah. I know a lot of people from all walks of life. A lot of people from all cultures. Mm. I speak the guts of seven languages. I can communicate with people in different languages. And I know, I haven't met one person in my 41 years on this earth who has it boxed off. The richest people, the poorest people, mm. everyone has fear. It, it's you can't avoid it. You shouldn't avoid it. But what you should not let it do is cripple you. Right. It should stop you Very jumping important. out in front of a bus. Yeah. That's it. It's, survival. It, that's and it's, it's a, a really too. important part of who we are. <clears throat> but it shouldn't stop you. You know, approaching a person in a bar if if that's what feels like the right thing to do is. It shouldn't stop you taking a chance in a career hmm. that may or may not work. And, and you, you're It's the uncertainty then we're talking about of, of the outcome yeah. that you can't afford to really give any energy to, surely. No, you can, because if you give energy to uncertainty or to fear, and, and I mean fear in the, in the current modern media sense of the word, yeah. terror almost, hmm. um, if, you, if you let that be your guiding principles you'll never do anything right why would you because yeah. the easiest thing to do is to get under your duvet and just hope someone pays the rent and no one disturbs you because like you yeah. know that's we all feel that I feel that like a lot and I just go oh god I just want to be at home and I just want to do this and I just don't care and, and I'm scared and I'm anxious and I'm nervous and I'm whatever yeah. but I don't know, I kind of, again, using audio analogies, but I kind of turn the volume down on that. I don't dismiss it. I almost engage with it. Right. Converse with it, but then tell it, dude, I don't need that level yeah. of nervousness and anxiety and worry about this. Yeah. I need a little bit, as I said, to not jump out in front of a bus or yeah. you know, make a stupid decision. But when it comes to doing something unfamiliar risky but where the end point is something that is a goal then you need you need to step back you know, I, I, I use the terminology sometimes I talk to people about zooming out mm. 
it just it works for me. This, Which is a nice analogy. shift from audio to, <laughs> to video. To video. <laughs> but, but if you can imagine, kind of, if you yeah. can take a step back from yeah. your life for a second yeah. and, 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 and look at a bigger picture, and this all sounds kind of a little bit, oh, it all sounds so easy. But no, look, we're, onto, some, we're onto something yeah. here. This is the whole point of this podcast, Dave. It's to talk about this kind of stuff with individuals from different backgrounds with different careers as you said earlier on the podcast we're all just people yeah me and you are just two blokes here absolutely chewing the fat yeah talking about a very important point and so are Barack Obama and Joe Biden and so are Eddie yeah. Vedder and, and you know Jeff Amet. like yeah. that's kind of my point is that like you know why would anyone do anything like you know seriously like why would why would Barack Obama become the president of the United States of America it's if you if you're like, is he nervous is he worried is he anxious yes is he Hell scared yes. of course he is but he's driven to do that I'm driven to do something else you're yeah. driven to do something else yeah and look and every single person who's listening to this is driven absolutely to do something. and it's not you don't have to be stupid you don't have to give up you know if you have a really good job a nice house, a really healthy relationship, and you're in a good place. And this is not suggesting that you you must sacrifice those things in order to become. You, when you were a kid, you thought you wanted to be a paleontologist, and yeah. then just give it all up and start. You can do that if that's your true calling. But this is um, this isn't to be kind of whimsical about dreams I, 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 I never really buy into people who just go just follow your dream follow your dream follow your dream it's not that no it's, it's, more, it's far more complex it is that. and it's a much more balanced we're set back to balance yeah. we started with balance yeah. we're back to balance yeah. and I know throughout this whole podcast and how many I do ever get to do if I'm lucky to keep going it always comes back to balance it has to everything wellness yeah. is balance so exactly and so you know like I can trace every single good thing in my life back to other decisions with this decision oh well that happened because of that and then that happened because of, you know you can do all that and you know it's yeah we're I've, really onto something here yeah i love the way you said you can trace because what popped into my head there was i can trace every amazing thing with the exception of my mom and dad and my sister because you know i didn't really have any no. input into that <laughs> dynamic but yeah. i can trace every amazing thing in my life back to a moment of fear how powerful is that? That's this is kind of my point. Like is my like, knees were knocking when I asked her out. I was shitting it. Yeah. Sending you that message about coming onto the podcast. Oh, what do you think? Is he into it? I don't know. He's very supportive, but is he really? You know, I don't really know this guy. Yeah. Your response was absolutely amazing, and we're sitting here now. Yeah. I was an air traffic controller for years, for a couple of years, a trainee air traffic controller, and I decided to leave that shitting it. Mm. Now I have been working with Focus Ireland because I followed something that scared the shite out of me. Mm. And I'm working with people in that area, like families who are experiencing homelessness. Wow. Do you know what I mean? So I've been doing that for six years now. But I just love that you said that phrase, tracing back. Yeah. So guys, I know you're completely engaged in this conversation me and Dave are having at the moment. Maybe pause it here if you want and sit back and... First of all, write your gratitude list, which is something you should be doing every day. And I know you're a massive gratitude aficionado, aren't you, Dave? But maybe pause it here and kind of sit back and think about all the amazing things that you have in your life, or some of them, and trace them back. And you will get back to a moment where you were shitting it. It's, it's, everything is born. <coughs> like, nothing good comes out of something easy. Yeah. That's another blanket statement. But by and large, it's true. Like, 
when I started in radio, when I was put on that breakfast show, okay, maybe I didn't realize the magnitude of what, like, what I was being offered. Like, I didn't realize what I, I didn't listen to radio. I'm a heavy metal guy, so I didn't listen to <laughs> pop radio. Yeah. So I didn't know that a breakfast show, for example, was the big show on the radio station. I didn't know that. Hmm. I was just told you're going. You're on. I was like, oh God, I got to go up at half four in the morning. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll be back in my studio at noon, though. So that's all it matters to me is being and writing songs. Priorities. So. <laughs> But, you know, the first time the mics went on live across Dublin, what was that, what was was that moment nervous? like? What was well, it like? Of, like, of course it was. Like, it was terrifying. Because, you know, you told your mates, oh, I, I work on radio now, you know, and they're like, what? Don't forget about us. Yeah. How like, many times did you hear What are you talking about? Who, why are you working on radio? I'm like, I don't know. Like, they just asked me, so I'm going to give it a bash for, you know, I mean, I was signed up for six months. Like, I wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't a career. I was just waiting. I'll do this for a while, see how yeah, it goes. Until I get my deal. So I suppose maybe that allayed some of the terror. Mm. But, you know, within a couple of weeks, I really got what a deal it was. And the terror came. You know what I mean? Like, it arrived en masse. And it arrived en masse, you know. it. it okay. And what did you do to deal with it, though, at that time? At that Do you time, remember I what it was? I don't know. I don't think I. I, I, I just. <laughs> you don't think the listeners will benefit from you know, the action you take? <laughs> I don't know. I just. I kind of maybe don't think I cared that much, and I right. and I'm, I don't mean that. As I said, you can't really adopt that as a as a piece of advice. But as I said, I had my logic was I'll give this a try, but I'm gonna probably go back to do what I want to do and do what I do best which is write songs and produce music. Actually, I think that's quite an important piece of advice. Mm. Maybe you didn't feel right about wording it as I don't care, but mm. what I have found and what I've learned certainly over the past while is there is so much power and freedom in taking a moderate approach to everything. And look, we're back to balance again. I feel mm. like I'm, you mm. know, we're, we're repeating mm. ourselves, but we're, we keep coming back to balance from different angles. It's oh. nearly like balance is a sinkhole and everything we're talking about is coming back into it. So I think you're probably right saying you don't care what happens. Mm. It's probably not the best language to use, but to have that idea that no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. My partner's going to yeah. be okay. My kids are going mm. to be okay because I trust in myself that I will make the decisions necessary that I can't even imagine that I'll have to. Yeah. That, Does, uh, would that, that be another that, way of putting it? Yeah, it really is actually. And I think that <coughs> is probably one of the principles by which I live in the sense that like when you when you're married, when you have kids, it's it's a different kind of feeling than the feelings you have for your parents and your siblings. Mm. But but it's in the exact same vicinity. But in the sense that when you were young, that feeling of security, that feeling of love, that feeling yeah. of we're all in this together. Yeah. You get that, but you're the head of the family now. So there's an, there's an added sense of stuff to it. Uh, but it's a responsibility. But it's but it's there. It's it's this feeling that as long as, and I mean this as, as a collective that my wife and I would, would kind of feel this way. As long as we're okay, literally, nothing else matters. Yeah. So when we made the decision for her to give up work when she was earning more than I was, we did that because we felt 
if we end up not being able to pay our mortgage yeah or being if you like stuck in one place and not another place that's fine we want as a family we want to have her here with the kids so we she gave up work the like when she was pregnant with our first son and she hasn't worked since and we're raising four kids and it's the best decision we ever made it was absolutely rooted in fear because we were terrified why would we give up the bigger salary right you know because she's cut out and I don't mean this in, in, in it's, it's not I don't mean a gender thing that's a personality thing she's cut out to do this she she works she has the toughest job of us all <laughs> and, we, and we know that and it's a kind of a little bit of a stereotype and a cliche but what I mean by that is that some people even some people who do it aren't cut out for it right they do it because they have to and they, they yeah. do it really well and but, but she is someone who is who is born to, to do this, born to be with and raise children. Mm. And we made that decision because, and it's those two words I'm talking about, it's a combination of there was fear involved, but there was also the sense of balance in the sense that, look, it's, you know, it's money, like whatever. Like you can always make more money or you can always adapt your lifestyle to suit the money you have. Yeah. So... What was more important to us was having her here with the kids. So that's a perfect example of that kind of decision making. That it was really scary at the time to go from two salaries to one salary yeah. is, and everyone in the world, you know, a lot of people in the world do this. It's a very scary time because yeah. you're used to a certain standard of living, you're used to a certain level of comfort, and that's removed. And then there's a lot of pressure on the single earner to keep earning. There's a lot of of feelings with the person who doesn't earn money that what am I contributing to this yeah. and you have to deal with all that stuff but so that's it has to be a team effort and it has to be so this is a re thing. this is a nice segue into your writing with her family.ie mm. which I'm a huge fan of as you know thanks <laughs> because I don't have kids me and Tara haven't got married yet you know that's all going to happen for us we got engaged last Christmas but thank you so much but I've, I found your writing so inspiring I suppose because again it's coming back to your honesty and your the way that it's it, there's, so, there's so there's a level of honesty in your writing that is so respectful and to your own situation mm -hmm. and and it just I feel like it reaches me as a non-parent okay Do you get what I'm saying that's great because that, that is that has always been my aim was to write parenting stuff that people who have never even considered having a child would either find entertaining or interesting. That was, it's both. <laughs> always my end. It's both. And yeah. I'm sure you've had other feedback along yeah, those lines I have, as well. I have, yeah. You wouldn't have continued doing it if you no, did, no, exactly, yeah. if it was the opposite. Well, it certainly isn't going to make you a rich man, you know. Uh, no offense to the, no, the, but it uh, is. the salaries of all, but it is. It's, 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 it's a creative it's process I love. Yeah, that, I love that gives it. you a voice, or that you give a voice, sorry, you're giving a voice to your experience of family life. Mm. And you've talked about your wife in glowing terms already in the podcast, and I thank you for doing that but what would you say to people who are entering into the realm of new parenthood i know my my friend storm swinford has just had her her first child right she's actually coming on to the podcast um, in in a while and she's going to be talking about her current experience but i know she's going to be listening now <laughs> and also my uh, sister-in-law Eva lee who is um linked with parent support Brilliant. she is a parenting expert so we're going to have 
both ends of the both ends of the spectrum yeah. coming up, you guys, over the next uh, couple of months. But what is your perspective on on the best advice that you can give to to new parents? Um, I know it's such a broad question. You know it is, but I I I think I actually wrote about this. I wrote about the first day, the first full day home yeah. with your first kid, <laughs> because you're in the hospital. You are, you can't move for the experts, midwives, <laughs> nurses, doctors. Now, my wife likes to slag me because a lot of every time we've been in a hospital for anything, someone pulls her aside and goes, "Sorry, does your husband work in the medical industry?" And she goes, "No, no, he doesn't. He's just an idiot." And the reason is, is because in the medical industry and in any industry, there are terms. Correct. There's a glossary, a vocabulary yeah. of things, and I can't help. And this is why one of the reasons why I can speak languages and why I can do accents. When I'm in having a conversation with somebody, I effectively adopt everything to do with that right. situation. Yeah. And it's a subconscious thing. My, I suppose, my subconscious aim, if I, I've never really explored it, but I think, is to yeah. make the other person feel comfortable, or yeah. the people feel comfortable and fit in and whatever. But when I'm in there, I'm talking like I'm quoting blood pressure figures. <laughs> I am talking about blood oxygen and levels. Speaking in there, and I, oh yeah, all of well. that. Whether they're, whether they're from Nigeria, it doesn't yeah. matter. I'm doing that. I, like yeah. so, my point is, is that <laughs> I'm always, I'm not afraid to ask like a thousand and forty questions yeah. in two minutes. Of a midwife. So when we were in there with yeah. our first kid, I was like, "Excuse me, excuse me, sorry, could you just explain to me what the production levels are like?" And I was going, and she was just going, "Oh, please stop! Oh, please!" You actually caused me more stress than being so home. Like, would you get into a taxi and say, "Take me to the rotunda"? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> it might be a little bit embarrassing for me, but um, Dave, we've got a lot of things in common. <laughs> Seriously, I got, I'm, I'm sorry to. I know you're in the flow of giving advice about yeah. new parenthood, and we'll come back to it in two seconds. But we both love football, yeah, specifically Ireland and Manchester United. Yes, we do. Um, we both love talking and laughing yeah. a lot. Um, music. We both love music, absolutely. Particularly, well, I love heavy metal and rap music. De La Soul. Yes, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Shout out to Dermot on that one. Oh, God, but another thing that we have in common that I hadn't prepared for is Tara, and she will be listening to this, so shout out to you, Tara. She actually does the um, intro music and outro oh, music. She's brilliant. a beatboxer, harmonica player. Absolutely. Amazing. I love your, your intro music. It's amazing. Thank you, man. Thank you. Well done, Tara. There you go, Tara. But she gives me hell about the exact same thing. Now, I, I mightn't go into the specifics the way you right, do because you're kind of a bit more nerdy than me yeah, in that yeah, way yeah. but in terms of the Accents vocals and vocals and... any situation I'm in I like morph I'm like a, I'm like a vocal chameleon <laughs> how long does it take you to say sidewalk and cell phone <laughs> in America? Like, I, I, like, I, I say cell phone on this because I know there's loads of people yeah. who are listening from Canada and the States and mm. it takes me about three or four seconds it's so uh, yeah. that's uh, that just struck me there and I had I had to mention that because <laughs> I had planned to say the other three things but <laughs> yeah. this is just another beautiful coincidence so okay uh, <laughs> so We'll get back to, to jump back to, to the, jump the back to your first day. Full so day. yeah, so so you, when you're in the hospital, you're surrounded by experts. You can ask all the questions in the world. Yeah. When you get home, it's during the day because you're always released between nine and five. You know, so you've got to. Come yeah. in. The doctors have worked normal hours. They come in. They say yeah. So noon, one o'clock or whatever it is, you go home with your child. And there's nanas and granddads and right. neighbors and cousins and best friends and 
everyone's over and the, oh, and he's he's gone to sleep look at them all whatever and then you go to sleep and it's all fine and you wake up at about four o'clock in the morning and you realize we're alone with a human being and we know nothing <laughs> and i tell you now we talk about fear there is nothing like the shiver that runs down your spine when you realize you are in control and charge of a human life who is utterly helpless and utterly depends upon you. We'll do forever, but particularly this moment. And I remember waking up that day. I don't scare easily, but I'm shitting myself yeah, right now. I, I, I remember waking up that day and going, we, we have to go back to the hospital. <laughs> like, I swear to God, that's the first thing I said to her. She wasn't even awake. She We've got to go back, like Jack in Lost. We've got to go We've back. Got to go back. It's, we don't know anything. We can't. We can't be. She's like, again. She's so sensible and calm. She's like, it'll be fine. Let's just take a deep breath. It's four o'clock in the morning. He's asleep. Why don't you shut up? And, and he and he's breathing. Yeah. So, I genuinely think, if someone had offered me, I would have gone straight back into the rotunda and gotten back into the ward and sat there and asked it. And like, I was yeah. so convinced that that we knew nothing and. Not everybody is going to feel this, but you will feel a degree of this helplessness, a degree of inexperience and inability to cope with the mammoth task you have of keeping a human being alive. Tara, just rewind and just stop <laughs> listening now because this is not this is not good for our future. <laughs> but here's my advice. Ah, good, good. Finally, you'll be grand. Ah. And what I mean by that is, is that there are very few people, thankfully, in the world who are utterly alone. You have around you a set of support structures. It is your parents. It is your neighbours. It is your friends. It is your family. Uh, it is the local, like, government around you who, like, the thing that's got me saying, two things got me saying that day. Not my wife. She tried. It didn't work. <laughs> For some reason, and I don't to this day, and I said it to him so many times, I don't know why. I know so many dads. Yeah, my own dad, my best mate in the world, another dad. Yeah. Uh, was a dad long before I was a dad. Yeah. Uh, next door to me, the guy who sold us the house we live in now, right, is a dad. He was a dad before I was. Um, lots of my other like good friends were dads. Uh, I could have called. 40 dads yeah and in my head I went Rick O'Shea off 2FM as a dad <laughs> he had a 9 year old he didn't remember anything but in my head this was my solution and I tweeted him because I didn't have his number DM'd him and said dude send me your number right now and he was like okay what and I rang him like Rick uh, I'm just home because like, I know I saw the great news I saw on Twitter uh, what do I do he's like what is this a 4 a.m. by the way? No, this was about <laughs> this was about nine, like half eight, nine. I'm freaking out, I'm freaking out. He was going, eh, just I don't know. Like my kid is nine. I don't like uh, just be cool, it'll all be fine. You're like, okay, Rick, thank you so much, Rick. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I put the phone down and my phone rang straight away. I thought it was Rick again with some more. I was like, hello? And it was the HSC, the local nurse in Port Marnock, who said, Hi, David. Uh, I'll be up to see you and Tracy and Andrew in about half an hour. I nearly started crying. I was like, please, thank you, please. the best call ever. I couldn't have been. She came into our house, 
she looked at us, she weighed the kids. All the things that they do all around the world, they'll take Did care you of. offer for her to let your spare room? Oh, I, I, was, I locked the door behind her. It's like, you are not leaving this room. But my, again, my point is, you, you'll feel this fear. You'll feel this panic. You'll feel this, like, that you're not good enough. Or you're, you don't know enough. And you don't. But there's one thing that since then I have kind of rooted myself in. Okay. Which is humans are still here. Mm. Which means we've been here for a lot longer than maternity hospitals and a lot longer than HSE nurses call into your house and a lot longer than tweets, tweets to Ricochet. Right? <laughs> so, okay. I know it's not ideal you know, to, to like, we, you know, there's a million different reasons why it's difficult to do X, Y, and Z. But mm. I guess my point is that when you feel these kinds of panics, these kinds of fear, these kinds of stresses, it's too easy to say, sure, it'll be grand. It's a bit of an Irish thing. But if you're surrounded by good people, good thoughts, and positivity like you will be grand yeah. and it, it sounds simple and it kind of is when you get into the habit of doing it yeah it's but it's it's that habit that is so important like it's brick shitting before that yeah before that habit forms of course of course it is like i'll give you another example i don't read the news don't watch the news and I work on radio, so I have no choice but to listen to the news. Shout out to the South FM newsroom. Love you guys. Um, but I made that decision about, God, it must have been like three years ago now. Because it's not news. Yeah. It's just fear. Yeah. Terror, like you That's mentioned. all it is. And this isn't a conspiracy theory podcast, so we're not going to go down these lines. But... <laughs> There's, there's no reason. I already agree with what you're going yeah. to say, so just say it. And millions of or millions, okay, it's every listener is going to agree. All news is is bad news. Yeah, that's all it is. Yeah. something bad happened here. Something yeah. bad happened there. Did you hear about there. that? Did and, you hear about that? And chances are, yeah, it's going to happen to you. That's what news is. That's news in a nutshell. And if you flip it, a little kitten jumped out of a box today and surprised its little kitten brother. And it was brilliant and hilarious. And it's on YouTube. And there's as much value in watching that nine second video clip yes. of a kitten doing that as there is in listening to a radio news report about a tragic road accident or reading about it or seeing a video that says, shocking video, scumbags do this. Yeah. Like, if you remove that from your life, because trust me, you're missing out on nothing. It's not a balanced view of the world. Terrible things happen all the time. It's terrible. But it's if you think about all of the 7, 8 billion people in the world and all of the nice and fine and okay and brilliant and amazing and inspiring things that happen, why does news reflect this tiny percentage of hideousness? And why would you let that because you can't help but be affected. You can tell me, 
you know, I don't care. I just, I just listen to the news because I've always listened to the news. Or I just watch the news. I've always watched the news at nine o'clock. Or yeah. I read this newspaper. Don't, don't get me started on newspaper. But you read this trick newspaper. We'll do a whole separate podcast yeah, on the, the, the red tops. Uh, but, but my point is, you know, you can say, oh, but sure, it doesn't affect me. Yeah. I guarantee it does affect you. you it 100% affects you. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm sitting here smiling because this advice is so important. Mm. And it's not even advice. It's just something that you've done. It's something else we have in common. I spoke to Niall Munley, who's one of the top trainers in Ireland down in the performance mm. and fitness mm. academy in Nace. He's Dominic Munley's brother. And we spoke about this, and I spoke to Meg Brown about it last week as well. You have this power. And, oh my God, it's so powerful. So powerful. What I said to Niall, I think my exact words were, I, and you will definitely uh, empathise with this, I use Facebook and social media as a laughing shop. Absolutely. I use it as if you can imagine a syringe with Facebook in it for me, it's to make me laugh. Joy. It's joyous. Mm. Mm. One thing I will say about the Today FM news, by the way, that I was really happy about was the amount of coverage they gave to the O'Donovan brothers. Yeah. And that coverage was so out of it was so out of sync with not just Today FM, but sure. news in general, news in general yeah. that and I just loved that it was like half of, you know, the one o'clock news Absolutely. lasts for like 20 yeah. minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Of course you do. You work That's there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I loved that like half of that was their mom talking. Yeah, and on News Talk did a good job of it as well. Absolutely. Henry McKean went absolutely. down to talk to the mother yeah. and it was absolutely brilliant. But you're right, it doesn't punctuate the general news cycle. Oh. And I, like, I remember about 18 months ago literally spending... <laughs> Spending about probably two hours unfollowing or unliking every news feed. Mm. Mm. And then what I've done since that great decision is just, it's lol-tacular, man. Yeah, it is. That's why I tag you so much on Facebook, because I'm like, oh, yeah, Dave would love this. this. (laughs) I do, I get that a lot. And people people know, they know instinctively if they are following me on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, that there's no point in sending me graphic video of do cruelty they, to do animals. Do people do? No, that's my point, is that they don't, because, you know, it's, there's, yeah. there's nothing. Shocking, yeah. this and that. And, and look, it happens, and I'm not saying that, like, there isn't a voyeur in all of us, and, you know, that you can yeah. go, oh my God, really, there's footage of that? Should I, you know, like, I'll give you an example. Your man who broke his leg in the Olympics. Oh. The gymnast, right? Yeah. Now, you're groaning because you watched it. I'm groaning because I watched it, right? There's a difference between watching that and watching a video of, you know, sick, you know, cruel, whatever, yeah. boiled dog alive. And yeah, people yeah. watch it and they put it up on the, yeah. and the news, the, the news media in a very general sense. And again, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to make this in, into any kind of a conspiracy, but there is a value to keeping the general population of the world afraid yeah i'm not suggesting it's a monetary value yeah i'm not suggesting who it is i'm not saying what but if you can make people believe that consumerism is the answer then then you've got them you have them so why do you want an iphone 7 why do you want a Ferrari, and why do you want this guitar? And we're all guilty of it. Yeah. You know, I'm not suggesting that 
you know, I'm living some kind of Puritan lifestyle here with my 55 inch minimalist CD and there's three guitars over your shoulder. And like, you know, I'm not suggesting that, but my, what I mean is if you just take a step and zoom out again, if you just zoom out for a second on, on everyone's life, on the world and go, what's happening? Like, why, why, if you, just do yourself a favor. I'm going to name good. a name this here for a second. I'm going to name a name. Do it. Next time something terrible happens, read the headlines the Daily Mail writes about it. Yeah. Because the headline on the first day will be, you know, straightforward terror attack in or, you know, mother of four dies or whatever yeah, it yeah. is, right? The second day or the third day, or inside in some big opinion piece will be how X attack or X tragedy can happen to you. Yeah. How you can't avoid this thing occurring in your life to the people that you love. And okay, I'm yeah. naming no, a name. No, this is there. good. And, That's good. And, and, and what's the next step? My point is that that, that new, they create this narrative. They create this narrative. Because they're, and it's the same in US, it's the same, I'm not, I know I've picked that thing, but like it's the same across the board. You, there's a general market yeah. in terror. And mass media, and it applies to television and radio and newspaper and magazines, and everything, like, you can make an immense amount of money and have an immense amount of influence on the well-being of an entire generation, an entire society, by peddling fear. Yeah. So what we're talking about here is to bring it back to me and you and everybody mm -hmm. who has kindly taken the time to listen to us talking over the last while is the choice that we have is so powerful. And to, back to, to our balance. Choose our balance. Yeah. And what? choose, like, the, I don't know if you've ever heard the... Um, the quote, energy flows where attention goes. Mm. What a wonderful quote yeah. that is. I think it was either Tony Robbins or Robin Sharma. Right. But that quote has stuck with me so much because <clears throat> when I'm through my course, I do a lot of journaling and it's, it's nearly like monitoring your thoughts, yeah. monitoring your emotions, your stress levels, what causes my stress. And my, my college buddies listen to this, so they'll know what I'm talking about yeah. as well. But, the, the point I'm trying to make is is exactly in line with what you're saying. This is a choice about what you give your energy to will mm. either sustain you or drain you. Mm. And that, I don't think it was conspiracy theory, by the way. I think it was uh, no, it, absolutely on the money for my, ex my experience. Of yeah, it. I think <clears throat> you can spend, you can, because it all boils down to this. Like It's so frustrating. Isn't it? It's just trying to get the words out. But like, you... If I've learned anything in 41 years of being on this earth, it's that you control the hugest percentage of what happens to you. It's not easy. It's not obvious. But you do. And that by that I mean the people you hang around with. Yes. The situations you put yourself in. Yes. The job you get. Because you go and get that job. You don't, it doesn't come and get you. 
Except for in my case where I actually <laughs> did. It's a complete contradiction, <laughs> you beggar. <laughs> okay, okay. notwithstanding your, your story earlier, yeah. this is but, very important but advice here. You have control over everything down to the value you give your thoughts and your fears. Because as I said at the beginning, everyone has them. Yeah. But you can decide whether or not you want to, what you want to give the attention yeah to that t- thought or that fear or that person or that situation or that job in the same vein you choose your reaction to all of us completely you choose your level ex- of exposure to yeah. us and thus you take your control back exactly and i am constantly relearning this yeah oh, no. as are you you know Every we're not we're not preaching no, 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 no. because situations come God, up for no. all of us and we definitely it's so easy to lose sight of that but i know when i go through a very bad period that would last well it used to last uh, a couple of years right. but thankfully since you know i've been doing the wellness project and lifting we didn't even get to talk about lifting god <laughs> we're, we're tight for time but um since i started exercising all the time and you know journaling and yeah. doing my course yeah. my whole my whole situation changed because i was able to limit the amount of time that i was spending in that dark space yeah through doing exactly what we're saying now, yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And it gets easier and easier every time we do it. And look, I think the really important point that Dan kind of hinted at there, and I hope it's really clear, is that he and I, particularly I, don't speak for myself here, I'm not living some kind of super perfect life here. Like He does have a really nice couch, though. <laughs> I do have a really nice couch. It's Ikea, but it's a really nice couch. But, like, don't do that Irish thing. You did the Irish thing, pennies. Oh, pennies, this, this <laughs> thing. No, it is actually really nice. Um, like, yeah. I'm anxious. I'm nervous. I'm scared. I'm worried. You know, I have nights where I can't sleep. I have good times. I have bad times. My wife's the same. Our family's the same. I, the overarching point is, is the one thing I've realized is the amount of control I have over what that means to me so as i tried to say at the start you, you don't need to get rid of fear or don't need to get rid of anxiety you don't need to get rid of the fact that horrible things happen in the world you need to, it's not about that it's about choosing how you engage with and react to mm. those things and how much of that thing you're going to expose yourself to what value you give it what amount of time and, and effort you're going to put into that because you can do more, and I know you use a f- kind of facetious example of a kitten in a YouTube video, but why not do more good things? Learn language, play an instrument, lift weights. Yeah. Like, as Dan said, like you've, you've just so much time that you're awake every day, and you can choose what happens in those hours. It's not easy. It's not like there's some magical formula well i must do this and then i must do this and then like it's different for every person yeah but you've got control you've got that choice like you know just you figure you spend your life trying to figure out what the best thing is and you'll make mistakes i make mistakes all the time like you know that's part that's that's the human part of it yeah but again it comes back to that word balance that you know when you've got well like as i said to you like i don't think i've ever been busier than i am now Mm. But I don't think I've ever been as connected to my family as I am now. 
What a wonderful thing. You know, I don't think I've ever been as anxious as I am now. I don't think I've ever been as happy as I am now. So it's like... <laughs> I love that. Yeah, you're gonna... Like, like, life is not going to just be great. You can't just watch kitten videos. Maybe you can, but you can't really. <laughs> you know, people are gonna die, you know. Like, yeah. you know, you're, you're older people, you know, younger, horrible things will happen. Like, yeah. you, it's not that you just cocoon yourself in a marshmallow of kitten videos, <laughs> but but you can still control how much negativity, how much yeah. darkness, and how much fear, and how much value you give to others. You, you yes. have that power. Yeah. I think, you know, this is just such an important point that we could literally talk about it for yeah. hours because right. it's it's so I think it's so impactful that it's nearly impossible to put mm. a succinct words on yeah. it because for me and you know I explained to you what I did 18 months ago was start cutting all that stuff out and it's had this huge positive impact yeah. on me so there's sorry if I just check there's about what yeah 17 things that I didn't get to ask you <laughs> I'm for sorry. God's sake man. Well, you know what that means Part two. Part two. So that's what I was going to ask you. And I'm putting you on the spot because you're on air now. But when things calm down a little bit more, I think we might revisit things such as, you know, mental health. Mm. Mm. You know, you, you know Nala Breslin, who's a massive, massive advocate and a huge, huge, um, I don't know, he's just, he's just had a, such a huge influence on the way mental health is viewed. We might talk in Ireland and across the world, yeah. and now across the world. Yeah. I think he was up for Young Person of the Year. Yeah, he was. And rightly so, because yeah. massive impact. He's, also, in, he's in Boston right now giving a talk at Harvard. Fantastic. On mental health. What a guy. What a guy. So honest and so brave. And I'm so inspired by him. Um, also the Rubber Bandits. Yeah. yeah. In their gassed, bleepest way. Totally. Unbelievable! Such a impact. hugely powerful message. And again, what Niall and what the rubber bands have done is be completely and utterly true to themselves mm. with a narrow focus message that has impacted lots of people. And yeah. that's exactly what I'm trying to do with this podcast, Dave. Yeah. And it has been from the start. And if even two or three people believe in themselves more after what you just said there about we're all going through very similar things, it's how we view it, then wouldn't that be just a remarkable outcome of this recording? Yeah, and look, you know, <clears throat> like I, I, I have a great job. I work on radio. I get to have fun. I get awards. I get well paid. I get opportunities. You get to do podcasts I like this. I get to do podcasts with Dan Kyo. <laughs> I'm telling you, the best things that ever happen and ever come out of our radio show are when you get an email from someone who tells you that they have had postnatal depression mm. or that they've been going through a rough time and that the only time they laugh in their day is when your show is on. Yeah, that's unbelievable. That makes doing that show, which is flippant and stupid and immature, and but it makes and you all realize, of the amazing things. Yeah, but it makes you realize that you're, you know... Again, we made a choice on that show, Dermot and I, 14 years, probably 13 years ago, maybe 12 and a half years ago, to not do negativity. You will not come That's why show. I love the show so it, much. It is. No, but I'm sorry, I'm just realising. <laughs> you know, because I could never really put my fucking finger on it. That's why. 
there because and but I love that that was an actual action and decision that you guys made. Yeah, that just pleases me so much. <laughs> it was. It, it wasn't like an accidental thing no, that you decided. No, 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 it was like there's enough. There's enough of everything else. There's enough of and don't get me wrong. I love some of these shows, but there's enough of talk shows with angry people on shouting about something. There's enough of daytime talk shows yeah. with you know unfortunate and terrible stories that need airtime because they need to get messages across and the only sure. way you can do that is by something really impactful and terrible being broadcast on your radio but you will not hear that in our show you will not hear you know oh horrible economic tales you will not hear <laughs> negativity you know all you'll hear is two idiots having a laugh and playing tunes and it's and some of the finest impressions ever. Yes, Dermot Bannon. Dermot is responsible Tony for Tony Um But but look, but honestly, that I was know a what you're saying. That I was know. a decision. I love that it was a decision, though. And it, you know, it's not that we're burying our head in the sand again. No, no, it's you're, just, you're taking action. We are. We're, we're this making, is what I'm saying. It wasn't something control. that happened. No, no, no. That no, no. happened because, oh, uh, this is the way we kind of see the show going and you weren't taking, like, you know, orders from mm. other people. It was a decision that you and Dermot made that has created a situation where somebody with postnatal depression is emailing you and saying, that's the only time I wasn't crying today yeah. from sadness. Yeah. And... On air, on this podcast, I can tell you there's been tens, hundreds of times that I was having the worst day, the worst day over the past few years, and I had a similar experience. So wow. thank you so much. Thank you for saying that. Will we have an inaugural ho- first hug on the air? On our Don Kell Wellness I'm podcast. Into it. I'm into it. <laughs> I love nothing more than hugs. So thank you so much for, you, um, for that. Um, and thank you for being on this podcast. I think it's one of the most rewarding experiences I've had since uh, since starting it. Wow! Thank you. Well, I, I'm abs- I'm literally, I'm lit- my hands are really shaking because I want to get it edited and out as soon as possible because people need to hear this stuff. People need to hear pe- people talking who are both passionate about theirs and others' wellness, and that's why the podcast is here. Well, thank you for the opportunity. I I had no idea what we were going to talk about tonight. I had an f- idea you would talk obviously about wellness. I- didn't know where it was going to go. I didn't know I was going to make these points. But it's thank you ter- for the it's opportunity. It's been thoroughly engaging. Um, and very, particularly when we were talking about the fear, I had a lot of realisations. Mm. And I really hope the listeners did as well. I'm, I'm sure that they will. Because we were so thoroughly engaged throughout the whole conversation. So thank you. Thanks, Dan. It Appreciate means a lot it. to me. Right. See you, bud. Thanks. Until part two. Yes, part two. This is never going to end. <laughs> See ya.